Joining me this afternoon for a special pit lane parlay episode is Indie Pro Championship leader and contender Louis Foster driving for exclusive autosport. First off, man, how are you? And how's the uh, the week going up before the last couple races? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I mean, as per usual, just back home, you know, getting ready for the weekend. Obviously, this weekend's our finale in Portland. Um, training, staying fit and healthy, eating right, you know, doing all the above just to, to make sure we can end the season on a high. Before we talk Portland and, and how the season's gone, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with you and, and you know, on the indie pro side of things, how did you first get into racing? Um, I started like most, uh, most drivers to be fair from a young age, you know, my, my, my family, uh, has been involved in motorsport in many, for many years back in the UK. Um, so my dad chucked me in a go-kart when I was like five or something like that. So, um, from, from, from a young age, really, it's kind of all I've really done. Um, you know, dabbled in other sports here and there, but the one that really stuck was motor racing. Um, you know, and then from, from, from there on we just kind of progressed up the ranks really. I mean, at first it was more of a hobby, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the kids who have been, you know, who've come from Europe and they've done European karting and they've been set from a young age to have a career in either IndyCar or Formula One. You know, we only really saw, saw it as a career potential probably two or three years ago. Um, it was always a hobby up until then, just a fun thing to do on the weekend as a family. Um, yeah. So what was the realization that, that went, that, that clicked for, for you and the family that went, okay, this is a cool weekend hobby too. I can make a career out of this. Um, it, it kind of clicked to my first year of uh, car racing back in the UK and Janetta juniors. Um, again, karting wise, I wasn't particularly, um, I didn't, I didn't do many of the big karting things. The only karting I did was very local, Sure. fun stuff it was just the local car track we just went and had a bit of fun um and then you know first year of car racing in janetta juniors which is basically in essence a bit of a mazda mx5 type thing okay, um, okay. yeah the, after our first year we had already been crowned rookie champion and and we had the most points overall but the way the championship worked i didn't win the championship unfortunately but uh it was very very close in my rookie year against third year drivers so at that point we kind of realized that you know there was some, there was some talent so um we decided to pursue it and the following year we did f4 um and kind of since then been climbing up the european ladder and then made the switch to america this year awesome so real quick before i continue on i'm, I'm curious you know you mentioned playing other sports growing up what else did you what, what else were you into is there a chance that you were going to continue that as you got older or not so much um i mean i've always been quite an athletic person i've always sure. liked to do sports blow some steam um my personal favorite is rugby which i know you guys okay. don't usually play but um <laughs> yeah i used to play a lot of rugby back at my school in the uk um unfortunately i had to stop because i kept getting injured and it was gonna start affecting the racing you can't really drive very well with a broken thumb or a broken collarbone so it's not not the best sport to play in 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 you know uh, comparison to racing so yeah yeah i enjoyed that i miss it a bit but also at the same time you know i can't really risk getting injured because it's quite a physical sport it's kind of the uh um, the european slash british version of uh of football that you guys have so um 
Yeah, a bit of that, and then also just some other things. Did a bit of hockey, uh, a bit of track. Um, yeah, just a bit of everything, really. Yeah, that sounds awesome. First off, big hockey fan here, but rugby is is crazy how intense it is. But I'm I'm curious, yeah. you know, you did you know F four overseas, and you came here. What was the driving force that that led you to the road to India? I know there was an article on. I think the indie pro website that came out today kind of talking about that, but you know, what was, what was the driving force and then how special is the road to Indy? So start off the driving force really of me, of me coming over here. Um, I'd done three years racing in well, two years racing in the UK, one year of F4, one year of F3. And then last year I did Euro formula, which is a basically a, a European formula three championship. Um, and you know, my view was the 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 road to India offers something that, to be honest, no one else in the world is offering um, with their scholarship money uh, to to help to help uh, talented drivers progress up the ranks. Because everyone knows nowadays that motorsport has become very very money orientated, um, which makes sense. But it does mean that there are difficulties for drivers who don't have you know billionaire dads. Um, <laughs> So, so for me, for me, it was really the the, the scholarship money. Um, and on top of that, there's a lot more opportunities. I mean, you know, F1 nowadays is 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 a bit of a joke, really, for young drivers. You know, you've got kids like Oscar Piastri and, and Nick DeVries and you know, recent recent IndyCar driver Callum Mylar. You know, all who really deserve to be in F1. Yeah, but they just kind of got pushed aside. But whether it be by older drivers staying on for their seventy fifth year. Or um, <laughs> or billionaire dads who come in and, and buy out teams, you know. So it's just it's it's a different world out, out here in America, and I feel like they you, you guys appreciate you know driver talent over money, whereas I I feel like in Europe it's the opposite. So that's why I came out here. I just think there's a lot more opportunity, um, and it's also a lot more of a fun lifestyle. I mean, you know, racing in Europe last year, I raced with the German team and, you know, there's only one way I can really describe them. And it's, they were very German, you know, this isn't a bad thing, but the sure. joy kind of seemed to slide away a little bit sometimes. And it was a bit too, a bit intense. Whereas here it's a, it's a very nice balance. I'm curious, you, you hit on something I've said a few times over the last few years is the, the F1 ladder system seems to be kind of broken it just doesn't really seem to work when you have multiple guys like like you mentioned Isla and I think you know Robert Schwartzman is another kind of recent example is is there anything is there like one quick fix that you would say hey if this changed things would be better or is it too far gone uh, I mean I, I I could I could give you many changes that they could do <laughs> But it, the, 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 it all lies within F1 management and, and the F1 teams, really. I mean, it's, it's all, again, it's all financial. I mean, the, the, way, the way teams used to look at future drivers 20 years ago, you know, look at, look at someone like Lewis Hamilton. You know, he, he, he got picked up at young age and, and he, was, he was paid his entire way up to, um, he got his entire, his entire career supported by McLaren. But that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, the view of F1 teams is, well, let's just let them pay all the way up to F2. And then if they're good in F2, we'll pick them, you know. But at that point, you've already spent seven mil getting there. So, sure, sure. you know, you can't and you got to have also a good, you know, as, as a family or 
as, as sponsors have great cash flow and be able to do that. And I mean, it's, it's, it's expensive. And on top of that, there is no prize money. There is no reward, really. The only reward you get is a pat on the back, a trophy, and it may be a good deal for the next year. That's all you get, you know? And there's nothing's guaranteed, nothing. So that, for, for me, it's just like you, you, you're investing so much time, effort, money, all these things. You're, you're investing your entire youth years to get to Formula One. And, you know, it's just like, you can just be washed away. I mean, again, the, the, one of my best examples is Callum. You know, he's one of my close friends and, you know, I feel bad for him because he, he, he realistically should be in F1, but, you know, he's not. So, again, I'm going to stop having a rant about F1. Again, I do like it. I've got a lot of friends who are in F2 and F3. Sure. So, you know, I'll let them, I'll let them kind of do what they do. But for me, it just, for me, it just made a lot more sense to come to IndyCar. It just it, it, the lifestyle seems more fun. It's a lot more laid back and um, enjoyable as a driver. And of course, the RTI has a, an amazing support system that, like I said, no no one else in the world is doing. And um, I think that's that's really great. And I hope they continue it for for future generations of drivers. I agree. So on that note, Indy Pro Two Thousand, you've got a seventy seven. Is is my math correct? Seventy seven point lead. Yep, seventy seven heading into the triple header this weekend with 99 points available you you need one 11th place finish to secure the championship do you do you allow yourself to kind of think ahead to hey i'm the champion or is it are you not kind of thinking that just yet hi listeners we wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from evergreen podcasts and sound talent media called pit lane parlay Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Well, I mean, um, of course, we're in a very (laughs) nice position to be in. I'm not going to go out there and be like, oh, I'll just mosey about and get the 11th place. I mean, I still want to win races. You know, I still want to try and increase the amount of wins and increase the amount of points between me and second place. So, you know, if it it was like a 30-point lead, I'd probably go in with a bit of a different mindset of like preserve and just make sure you finish and finish in front and that kind of stuff. But with this lead, I'm going to go all out guns blazing because, you know, I've got a bit of room for error and I want to win some races. So again, I'm not going to throw it into the wall or into the side of another car, right? But, you know, my aim is to, to go out there, put it on pole and win races. 
I love it. So you raced a, a lot of cool tracks that IndyCar gets to on a yearly basis. Is there one track this year that, you know, assuming you are in Indy Lights next year, that you're ex- super excited to to get a you know a little bit more speed in the car at at that track? Um, yes, but they don't race there, so it sucks. <laughs> Uh, Which, Toronto. Toronto okay. is really good fun. I really like Toronto. The, the the street courses, again, this is my first year ever driving on a street course. Yeah. Uh, both at St. Pete and Toronto. Um I really enjoyed it. It was it was so it's so rewarding. Uh street courses. Uh there's no room for error. And it really, it really pulls it really creates a gap between like very good drivers and, and decent drivers. I feel like yeah. I feel like to have the commitment, uh you know, when you're going past a concrete wall at 140, 150, and then you know, next year will be 160, 170. Um, yeah, that those those I really, really enjoy. It's very rewarding to do a very good quality lap. Um, so I would say Toronto, but again, I don't know if any lights going to race there next year. They didn't this year, but um, if not Toronto, then um, St. Pete. Definitely, definitely looking forward to doing a street course um, in, in the in, in lights car. So if you're a street course fan, I'm, I'm sure you watched Nashville. I know I don't think Indy Pro was there this year. So what are your thoughts on the insanity that is the Nashville street course? Yeah, that was uh, – I watched him on board to that, and that was quite uh, quite interesting. It looks very tight and technical and twisted. It, it looks like a lot. It looks hands-on, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. especially the, the second part of the track. Again, I don't know the track very well. I just saw some on boards, but the, kind of like halfway through the track um, – there's a very twisty section. Um, you know, it's it's corner, then a corner, then a corner, then a corner, and it's all very quick and and fast. So that that, that was quite fun actually. So I'm looking forward to hopefully racing there next year. I love it. So you got a couple ovals this year as well in Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park, and last two last weekend, two weekends ago in Gateway. Are yes. do you do you wish that I know Indy Lights also had Iowa this year. Do you wish that the road to Indy had maybe another oval or two to get you ready for IndyCar where you go to tracks like Texas, like the Indy 500 and you know other tracks that are a little bit more high speed that maybe will make a return on the schedule one day? Yeah, I mean, for Indy Pro, for myself, again, first year racing in America, I never even touched an oval before. So um, it was definitely a, a big learning curve, and it still is. I'm still sure. learning a lot. So I'm 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 by no means a, a, a pro at it. Even though I won the first one, I think that was um, you know, a bit of all the stars aligning. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, I st- I still think there's a lot to learn. There always is. So you know, two ovals in Indy Pro, I think that's a good amount. They could put another one in there, sure. Uh, only they need it. It would be helpful for for drivers like myself yeah. who are new to it. The only thing I would say is is I, I've talked to some Indy Lights drivers and a few of them have complained about there not being a super speedway uh, in Indy Lights. Yeah, you know they all go from that kind of medium sized ovals and then if they jump into IndyCar they're like straight into the five hundred and they're like what the fuck. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so I, I I think that hopefully they add a super speedway on the calendar next year. I don't know if they've announced the the schedule for next year, but um, hopefully they do add a super speedway just to give you know, the, uh, the Indy Lights drivers, a bit of a, a warning, should, should sure. we say, you know, you know uh, but, but yeah. I think that would, that would definitely be helpful. Even if it was Texas, 
if yeah, assuming like Texas I know they is got on rid the schedule. Of freedom, freedom. Uh, what what was the one before? Freedom one hundred. That's the one. The freedom one hundred. Um, you know, I wish they'd brought keep that. Keep. I wish they kept doing that. Uh, obviously, there's reasons for them getting rid of it, and I kind of understand the reasons. But still, I think light drivers need a bit of a bit of a kind of a. Uh, uh, dip their toe in the water of, of super speedways before they get into the to the fast indie cars. Sure. So you know, kind of looking at your season as a whole, is there something going into your 2023 season, whether it be you know racecraft or qualifying, et cetera, et cetera, that you like really want to improve on as you as you start your next season? Um. I mean, there's room for improvement everywhere. There always is. Um, no one's no one's a perfect driver. So, I mean, if we can improve in in every in every place a little bit, that would obviously be helpful. I think the biggest thing that hindered us this year, especially towards the start of the season, was my qualifying. Um, getting used to the Cooper tire. It's a quite a hard compound compared to what I was used to previously. I've talked about this quite a lot um, recently with 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 other indie pro media. Um, you know, I think I think our mid-season pace was purely down to qualifying better. I think our race pace and our race craft hadn't changed much all year. It was purely because I was qualifying up the front now. And then I could really stretch my legs and kind of show the speed that we had. Um, so I think if we can get a hold of the new Firestone tyres uh, that are going to Indy Lights, um, then, then, yeah, I think we should be good to go. I mean... Again, it's another new compound of tire, a new tire brand that I got to get used to. But you know, that's 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 what you do in your junior years. You learn and develop. Yeah, definitely, definitely understand that. So let's let's wrap it up with a couple non-racing questions here. First one would be, you know, in your free time, what do you do for fun? Is it go out, see movies? Is it sit on the couch and watch Netflix music? We, what does Louis Foster do in his free time? Um, I have the joy of living in Los Angeles, which is very nice. Oh. So it's there's quite a lot of things to do. Yeah. Obviously, there's lots of pros and cons to the city, and everyone has their opinions. Um, but I enjoy. I've been here for about a year. I've got a good group of friends here. Um, you know, most of my spare time, it's it's kind of my day is very is very very much the same every day. It's <laughs> wake up train eat well and then hang out with my friends and you know we do a lot of car stuff in la there's a very very nice car culture out here in yeah. la so um and a few of my friends have some have some quite nice cars that some people might sometimes see on my instagram account but um yeah i tend to just have fun with my friends here and and we just you know mess about and have a bit of fun really um yeah nothing nothing super unusual i don't you know, do ballet on my weekends for fun. There's nothing like that. It's just plain old train and get ready for racing. A few video games here and there, but you know, I'm 19, so you can't blame me. Uh, listen, I'm not 19, and I still play plenty of video games, so yeah. I have no room to talk there. But wrapping it up, we have a underutilized pit lane parlay driver Spotify playlist. So each driver who comes on when we are able to sit down and do an interview gets to add a song of his or her choosing. So if there's any song you like before a race or for training, I will add it to the list and wrap up the interview. Oh, wow. This is a very powerful position you've put me in here. <laughs> you do know you're speaking to a British person, right? 
listen, some of the songs on this playlist are completely ridiculous. So it, I would be surprised if it's more ridiculous than a few things that are on here. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you my current favorite then. Okay. Um, it's a song just came out called Propeller uh, by J5 featuring Dave. Um, yep. Yeah. One of my favorite artists is, is Dave, a UK-based rapper. Um, that's a very, very good one. It's a nice summer song. So if, if anyone's going to listen to the playlist, I'd listen to that song in the next few days before it comes September and we're into fall. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Listen, we have country, we have metal, we have rap. We have a little bit of everything on this What's playlist. What's the name of it? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on, on Spotify now and never listen to it later. Uh, I will I will text it to you afterwards. It's okay. literally I think it's just Pitlane Parlay Drivers Spotify playlist. I'll look for it on my Spotify here in a minute. I just saved that song so I could so I could add it. But yeah, I'll share out the playlist again for everybody listening in our Instagram story. So check that out and. Yeah, man. Well, listen, good luck this weekend. Hopefully the championship hunt is stress-free and look forward to seeing you hopefully in Indy Lights next year. Yes, thank you. Yeah, hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's what we'll be doing. But yeah, thank you very much. For yeah, the no interview. problem. Yeah, no Appreciate problem, it. man. Have a good one. Cool. You too. Thank you. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.